Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Inspire to Fire podcast. My name is Chris and I'm your host and this show is all about inspiring you towards financial independence. On today's episode we have Mike and Maggie from Friends on Fire joining us. We're going to be discussing how to take advantage of corporate America on your path to financial independence. So anybody who's working in the corporate world you're going to want to listen to this episode. Mike and Maggie both have experience in corporate America, so they're going to basically give us the rundown on what exactly to look out for and how to optimize your path. They've got some really cool hacks that they're using, and I really think this is going to be important for a lot of people who are in the corporate world, including myself, who are pursuing financial independence, and they want to know exactly what is the best route for that. We're also going to be discussing lifestyle inflation, they are particularly good at keeping their expenses very, very low. So I'm excited to share what type of tricks they're using and, again, what kind of hacks that they're using. I'll also be sharing some of my strategies to basically avoid lifestyle creep. And we're going to get into what exactly that is as well. And lastly, Maggie has a passion for minimalism, and I thought it was very interesting how minimalism and frugality and financial independence all tie in together. So she's also going to be breaking that down for us and uh, giving us a little bit of what, you know, what is minimalism like and, and how it can benefit you. So stick to the end for that one. And before we get into the episode, I do want to encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. It lets you know as soon as these episodes drop, so you'll be the first to hear it. It also helps me out tremendously to be found and, and grow the audience and um, it really makes my day when I hear that somebody subscribed. Speaking of that, if you have any questions or you just want to show your support, go ahead and email me at questions at inspiretofire.com. Again, that just makes my day when I get emails from people saying that they appreciate the content that I'm making. And lastly, if you really want to help me out, again, subscribe and leave a review. I really, really appreciate it. If you've done that or if you're going to do that, I thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, without further ado, here's the episode. Hey, Mike. Hey, Maggie. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us, Chris. We're excited to be here. Of course. You guys have been an inspiration to me because you guys have your own podcast, and it kind of was what inspired me to start my own. I said, yeah, these guys love to talk about money, and um, I like to talk about money, so why not? I think what you meant was, if these jokers can do it, anybody can do it, right? <laughs> well, I, I love I love how you guys uh, complement each other so well. 
And um, yeah, I'm still learning. I'm in the learning phase, but you guys were definitely an inspiration. And you guys are up to about 60 episodes now, which I got uh, some catching up to do for sure. (laughs) Well, thank you. Yeah, you were one of our first guests, Chris, on the show. I was, I was. So now welcome to my show and and I'm glad to have you. Yeah, thank you. To start off, I would love to just introduce you guys and have a little bit of background and either Mike or Maggie can start just about your money story and where you're working now currently. I guess I will go first then. Go ahead. All right. So uh, I'm from the Midwest originally, and uh, I had, as you'll hear, a very different background than Maggie. So my parents retired very early in their early 40s. And so I have always been into personal finance. It has always been my plan to retire early. Everything I do around money has been working towards this goal. And um, I've been very passionate and focused about it my entire life. Um, I work in corporate finance at the same company as Maggie. We've been working together for a couple of years now. And um, yeah, I've uh, married. I have two small girls. We live in Atlanta. And uh, we host this podcast in our free time, Friends on Fire. Nice. I'll try to be as succinct as you were, Mike, because you know that's not my not my strength. <laughs> um, so I uh, I was born and raised in Atlanta and have lived here my entire life. I've not had a reason to leave yet and enjoy it. Um, so was born and raised in Atlanta. I am married, have three kids, also all girls. We've got a lot of girls across the uh, Friends on Fire families. And, um, you know, I have worked in digital, mainly travel, my entire industry or my entire career. And, um, yeah, just was raised very differently than Mike, though similar in a, you know, probably similar like socioeconomic status and things like that. Um, But just, you know, was raised, you know, in an environment where I always had to earn my own money and had a job early and had a, you know, early appreciation for how hard it was to earn money. And so I was very respectful of how I treated money Um, and was always super frugal and, you know, splurged here and there and enjoyed life, but was also very frugal and responsible with my money. And I never really knew what I was being responsible for necessarily until I started to learn about fire a few years ago and realizing there was a bit of a why to what I was doing and how I had been living my life. And then I met Mike and we instantly we met at work we worked together and we instantly realized we have you know the same passion and interest in this area and thought it would be really fun to do this podcast together and it has been a lot of fun so it's been been awesome that is pretty awesome so you guys met at work after you individually found the fire movement is that correct yeah. and then just started and just sparked up conversation and realized that you guys were part of the same community yeah, yeah well, I Mike found tells the fire. This. I found the fire movement when I was about like six years old, so like well before, well before Maggie. But we met at work because I am, I run finance for her organization, and she came up to me and was like asking me about her personal taxes, of which is not my job at work. I don't do personal. Taxes. I love this story. This isn't exactly how it went, Mike, but it was pretty accurate. Yeah. That, well, it gets different every time I tell the story, but she like was like really interested in getting my opinion on her taxes. And I was like, this is not my job, but I love taxes. So let me help you with this. And so we spent hours like going through her taxes and then we talked about other stuff and became friends. And then I realized Mike was like, 
we, we were talking about it. He was like, I'm literally writing a book. I'm so passionate about this topic. And I was like, no way, you're kidding. And then he gave me an early copy to edit. And we like realized how much we had, you know, very similar views. That is, yeah. that is an awesome story. And um, yeah, Mike, you wrote a book. I believe it's called Your New Relationship with Money. That's and, right. And um, that is on my list to read. And uh, Maggie, you've got a blog as well about minimalism. Is that right? I do. Yeah. It's a, a bit of a just side passion project that I admittedly do not have enough time to spend on, especially since we start, I started it before we started the podcast and then it kind of took a backseat to the podcast, but I well, write on it every now and then. I, I, I wanted to mention it because you guys, uh, we're going to get into, or I want to get into a little bit of the corporate world, working in the corporate world. So what are the benefits of it as well as some minimalism talk. So to kind of touch base with a little bit of Mike's background, and then a little bit of what Maggie, uh, you enjoy to talk about a lot. Um, so, good. but I also wanted to take a step back, Mike, you found the fire movement at a very, very early age before maybe it was even called the fire movement. Is that right? Yeah, I don't, I'm pretty sure it was not called fire until about <laughs> 10 years ago, but yes, early retirement has been around for a while, just in different forms. So, and then you clearly, you, I guess, Talk to me about how you made the decision to end up uh, working at a large global company and knowing you had this plan where you might not want to, you know, work for 30, 40 years. You wanted to retire early. Mm -hmm. um, that is a very good question. So when you look at the number, let's talk about it from a practical standpoint. When you look at the number of jobs that are available, and especially jobs like over a certain income level, what we'll call like medium high income level jobs. Corporate America is where it's at. You know, there, I was not going to be an NFL player. Um, I was not going to be a famous actor, but there are tons of ways to have exciting, rewarding jobs in corporate America where you earn a lot of money. There is an educational system set up to go place you in those things, especially around business functions like finance. So I was, I did my MBA with the intention of going into large corporations. But I also saw what my my dad did. My dad was a director of finance for a Fortune 500 company. He earned a lot of money. He saved a lot of money. He had great balance in his life for the time that he did work. And then he you know, left it so that we could go travel the world as a family and he could spend more time with us. So I saw in my parents' lives a good model that I knew I could achieve through the same path. And yeah, it sounds like you were very intentional. You had this plan where you wanted to go to college for a certain degree, which is super important now to have that intentionality before signing off on the student loans mm -hmm. uh, that a lot of people sign into. You have to kind of ask yourself, is this exactly what I want to do? And is there going to be a healthy return on this investment? Um, so that's very interesting that you went down that route. And, and thank you for explaining it. I'm not a big fan of corporate America because I guess my mind has been warped a little bit by the dirty money on Netflix shows. Sure. It's a good series. <laughs> it, it really is. Um, but talk to me, I guess, about someone pursuing FI. Um, you mentioned the benefits of the middle to upper income potential. Are there any other benefits to working uh, for, for corporate America if you're pursuing financial independence? I, I think there's, you know, a huge amount of benefits. And 
I'll come back to the dirty money comment in a minute because I think it's actually a really interesting point. I've not seen the series, I'll admit, but I watched five minutes of it this morning because I saw that you referenced it. Um, and then Mike was telling me about it because he has seen it. But I will, so I would say, you know, some of the benefits as I see them are you get amazing experience, right? You get experience dealing with big, complex problems, international experience, just you you get experience at a level that is hard to get at some types of companies and in some types of things. Just in terms of the importance of EQ and interpersonal skills, like you, you get this, you amass this, what I would call sort of library of transferable skills that are incredibly helpful no matter what you do in your future life. You know, you, you've got to be highly organized. You've got to be able to work with lots of different types of people. You've got to be super smart. You've got to understand numbers. You've got to, you know, there's just so many, all of these, to me, amazing things that you can learn in that sort of environment that you often don't learn in some other types of environments. Um, and I think, you know, the dirty money reference is interesting. And, and again, I'll caveat this with, I have not seen the series um, other than a, a five minute intro and Mike and I talking about it this morning. But I think, you know, there's bad sides of every company, right? Or I don't want to say every company, sorry. There are bad sides of like anyone could be a bad actor in any industry, in any environment, right? You've got, God, what is the podcast that follows the uh, doctor that like faked, didn't really even have like a proper license. It was like killing people. He was like a spine doctor. And he, anyways, there, there's these crazy stories of just, you know, fraud and corruption in every industry. And so I don't think corporate America is any different, right? I think there's some bad actors, there's some bad companies. Um, I personally would never work for one of those companies. And if I didn't believe in what a company was doing, and the older I get and the more I have choices in life too, I think like there's certain companies I would never go work for because I don't believe in the product that they are pushing. And I love the company that Mike and I work for because we work in the travel industry for a, a large hotel, large global hotel company. And I love it because it's travel. It adds value to people's life. It serves a purpose in the world. It, it's there for people during really difficult moments when, you know, someone's lost a family member and has to travel out of town, or it's there for these really amazing moments from vacations to weddings to, you know, all sorts of things. And it, again, it serves a purpose and it's meaningful versus I think there's some products and companies where it's, it's not aligned to what I believe in. And I personally could never work for a company like that. And one other thing to add, you know, all companies exist to generate a profit for shareholders and a company might have a brand identity or perception about being environmentally friendly or socially responsible, but they only do those things because it helps them generate a profit. It helps them cement their position in the market. It helps them create a brand identity, but it's not like those companies are rewarded for, or it's not like those companies are doing it out of the kindness of their heart. They're doing it for economic reasons. But that being said, you have very good people at those companies and you have very smart people at those companies. And if you find a company that is doing as much of the right stuff as possible, you can feel like emotionally good about it. But regardless of where you work, you're gonna learn a ton of stuff. You're gonna get a lot of great experience. That, that doesn't matter like this is across industries, across products, the opportunities there are great. We'll be right back to the show. But with all this talk about investing, I did want to share a special promotion that M1 Finance is running right now, where if you open a new account with them and fund your first $100 into that account, they will give you a free $30, which is a 30% return on investment right there. 
And again, this show is all about getting started with investing. And so I thought this was perfect timing. I think you guys should definitely take advantage of this promotion while it lasts. There is a link in the description below for you to take advantage of that. Again, you get $30 for free when you open a new account with M1 Finance. And I think M1 Finance is fantastic. I have an account with them as well. It's actually the account that I'm going to be funding the bright future for my son, uh, who's six months right now. So by you opening an account and uh, funding $100, you will get a free $30. And my son will also get $30 that over 18 years will hopefully compound to quite a bit. So thank you if you do. And I hope that it helps on your journey towards financial independence. And now back to the show. Definitely. And that, those are some great points. Uh, just working with others, learning how to work with others very well. Um, I would have said in the office, but now it's, everything's going to be virtual. But uh, yeah, and, and also the stability that a job in corporate America can provide um, with the ability to grow with it. So getting back to some of the good and the bad, we, I'm glad that we talked about the good and I'm sure the benefits, the income, etc. Now I would like to talk about if somebody is trying to go down this path, right? They, they're saying, hey, I want to pursue FI and I think corporate America can provide this very stable road towards financial independence if I want to get there in 10 to 15 years or whatever. How might someone protect themselves in this corporate world where you know you might be replaceable or depending on the bottom line, there might not be any raises. You might be burnt out after a while. Can you talk to me a little bit about what somebody can do in, the, in that situation? Yeah, I mean, I think there's things people can do in all of those different situations. And I think it's going to be so different for each person in, you know, whatever um, situation they end up with. But some of the examples you just gave, Chris, you know, I think um, first off, you can make yourself not replaceable. So many people are replaceable. And then I love the term linchpin, which is a book by Seth Godin. I read it when I was really early in my career and I just always loved the term, but you can make yourself a linchpin. You can make yourself irreplaceable. You can do such a good job and be in and just step up and go above and beyond that you, yeah, you're always replaceable, but that you make yourself irreplaceable. And that is possible depending on how you act and, and the, the level of work that you do. And not everyone does that. Not I, I work with a lot of people that do not go above and beyond. I work with just as many people that do, and it's very diff- there's a big difference and it's very noticeable, and those people stand out. And so that's one of the things I would say is you have control over whether you're, you know, quote, replaceable or not based on the, the level of job that you do. And then I also, Mike, if you want to jump in with anything, you're welcome to. Are you really going to let me speak or you yeah, can go keep for going, it. Maggie? Go for it. I got a lot of thoughts on this topic, but... All right. Um, I think the other thing is to take advantage of every single benefit that the company offers you around finances. And this really applies to like any job, but, you know, save as much money out of your salary as possible, put your entire bonus away. If you have a 401k, max it out. Um, If you have an HSA or an after-tax 401k, take advantage of those. Um, Specifically when it comes to FI, Many large companies will have what's called deferred compensation plans where you can put away your income pre-tax and then 
structure it in such a way that it pays out over 10 years starting at a certain time. This is like a, a fire person's dream because you can save half your income and say, and I want to retire in 10 years. So I'm going to start receiving all of this saved money in 10 years and I want it to pay out over 10 years. And then you know exactly I'm going to have X amount of dollars coming to me in this one-time paycheck every single year for 10 years. That is only available at corporations that offer this benefit, you know, small businesses, freelancers, you don't have the ability to do this. And so and that's one of, the, convinced uh, me, one of the dreams. Mike convinced me this year to go big on DCP. I never full the, the deferred compensation. So I've spoken about it before this year, I took a big leap and, and I didn't know it was going to be 2020 and COVID and everything else happening, but I locked in for 75% of my pay being deferred this year, which significantly changes my tax situation and sort of forces you to have a massive savings rate. Um, and if you can get your, 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 if you can get your expenses down to the point where you don't need a lot to live on, you can do things like that. Um, and really, again, take advantage of those benefits like Mike is talking about. So, so Maggie, the deferred compensation plan that you, you said you signed in or you locked in for, um, is that different than the 401k or 403b yeah it's very it's very different you're you're literally deferring it's a it's a totally different program and it's just like annual benefits though you when i say lock in you 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 um, enroll in it on an annual basis and you can change your amount every year you can put nothing in it you can put you know up to a certain percentage in um, and essentially it it is deferring your compensation and so you are not taxed on that money because you're not receiving it. It's basically going into, Mike, Mike could describe it better than I can in terms of where the money is going. I don't know where the money's going, but it's going somewhere. <laughs> it's going into a special fund that I can access at a certain point in time in the future. And it's pretty protected in terms of, you know, it's protected. It's as protected as any of our money is out there. Yeah, this is um, a bit different, but I uh, have what's called a 457B plan. So I'm wondering if it's similar to that. I know that's more of a governmental option, um, yeah, but I've my actually never heard of that, of the deferred compensation plan for a corporation. I think the four, is the 457, I think that's what my husband has because he, he works for a hospital that's a nonprofit. And mm -hmm. so they have a similar program. I don't know if it's that exact one, but it's something similar, but it has a different name, a little bit of a different structure. So in this plan, are you restricted from withdrawing it until you're 59 and a half or 60? Is that one of the rules? Uh, no. So for a 457B plan, what I like about it is it's a governmental plan. So it is backed by, or it's, it's I guess, not subject to creditors of the hospital that I work for. So God forbid the hospital goes under, I don't have to worry about having to now claim, you know, just like other liabilities or other debtors trying to get their money back. Um, so in that sense, that's very important. And that money is invested. And once I separate from service, which would be quote unquote, financial independence, then that's when I would have access to that money and I can get it distributed as, as basically as, as if I was getting a paycheck. So it would be subject to ordinary income. Yeah, I just did a, I just did a quick Google search. This is not a plan I was familiar with, but yeah, it's very similar. It's almost and, idea. Uh, it's very similar. That, yeah, those so, type of plans are perfect for financial independence. They really yeah, are. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, they're. I mean, they're perfect for anyone. They're extra beneficial if you have goals that you you know are wanting to retire at a you know abnormally young age. So making yourself not not replaceable or just by you know working and and being a higher 
achiever, higher performer could be one way to protect yourself in this corporate environment. Is there any other tips that you may have? You know, I I think I'd offer a lot of the same tips to anybody in any job, right? I wouldn't sort of separate corporate America necessarily, but I would say, you know, you've you've got to do a good job, work hard, put the time in. Like I was having this conversation with someone else recently around just the idea of working hard. I think there's a lot of people sometimes that, and more so lately I've noticed, that seem to want to get a lot for not doing a lot, you know? And, and I don't know a better way to say it, but like I was raised- Entitled. Yeah, sure. Entitlement. Yeah. Just, I I was raised with the, like, you work hard and then you'll get things. And if you don't work hard, you won't get things. It doesn't just, you don't just magically sign up for some, like, don't get me started on like multi-level marketing things, but like, I'm not anti all of them to be clear, but like, you don't just sign up for these, like get rich quick schemes kind of, right. You work hard, you put the time in and I've done that throughout my career. And so has Mike. And I think you know, those are the things to me. That's why I say like, you know, you can make yourself irreplaceable, right? You can come in with the mentality that like, oh, I just worked for a big company. They could replace me at any moment. But I've managed a lot of large teams and there are people who have made themselves irreplaceable where, yes, there's always, you know, restructures and layoffs and other things that happen over the years at any company. But you can be one of the people where people, you're the last person somebody thinks of. And then look, sometimes you are impacted, and it's out of your control and it happens all the time to different people. But if you've done a good job you've, and you've built strong skill sets, you've, you've set yourself up very nicely to go get another job somewhere else. And so I think that's one thing is like, you know, always keep your network going and make sure that you are, you know, building in different relationships because those things can help you down the line if you ever do end up in an unfortunate, unfortunate situation where you lose your job and need to go find a different job suddenly. Yeah. And on that point, the, the finding of another job, if you have managed your career and your skills well, can be thought of in a, along the same lines of like college or NFL football coaches, for example. Like they might get fired for one bad season with a bad team that wasn't a good fit. And then a week later, they pop up in a similar head coaching job for some other team. And that's the way corporate America works. If you are good at your job, and like for me, I'm in finance, if I were to lose my job, I could very easily go work in finance at any other company because it is a shared skill set. They value the experience of working at different places. And so one of the things that makes corporate America attractive is that you have the ability to jump around if things don't work out. You may lose your job or you may just not like it, but there are options out there. Yep, yep. And um, I'm a football fan, so I'm not sure if you are as well by your two references to football already, Mike. <laughs> But um, but yeah, they have this saying where it's like you every time you step on the field or, or you're a coach or something, you know, you are putting something on tape. So it's kind of similar, I guess, if you want to look at it that way. Every time you go to work, build these relationships or your quality of work is you're building a reputation for yourself. So even if the company is not a company you see yourself with down the line, it's still important to give it a good effort you know, and do your best. And then you can transition out of that as soon as the opportunity presents itself. Exactly. Yeah. We talk about your personal brand a lot, right? If you build that person, it's the same reference you're making, Chris, to the football uh, reference of, you know, if you build a strong personal brand, like that will follow you other places. People, even at your company, you have all these people now who think of you as reliable and just, you know, whatever you've built for yourself and they'll vouch for you. So when, and if you do end up, you know, 
unwillingly out of a job and or willingly trying to go do something else. You've got all these people and this sort of network um, that you've built over the years that will vouch for you and that, you know, sees, sees who you are and the way you work. And, and that can be incredibly helpful if and when you are moving on from one job to another. Yep. And, and if all that fails, then um, it's good to have some FU money around, right? <laughs> Just in case. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, you, you said, you say that jokingly, but that's, that's true. That's one of the benefits of either reaching uh, financial independence or striving towards it. It's because the really traumatic events that can happen in corporate America or any place, you lose your job, you get demoted, you get a pay cut. It becomes less impactful and, um, less traumatic, the more money you have. Yeah. And, and also like back to the dirty money reference, I would never do something unethical at my company. Right. So if someone, and I I would never want to feel in a position where I was like, well, I can't lose this job because then I can't pay my mortgage or put food on the table for my family. Um, So I feel, you know, backed into a corner that I've got to do something that I don't believe in. If anyone ever asked me to do something unethical, I'd be like, no, that's when the FU money would kind of be like, nope, see you guys later, you know, peace out. Um, But I think there's, I think that's something people need to remember. Like when, when I talk about corporate America and I'm a big fan of corporate America, it's been very good to me over the years. I'm not a big fan of doing unethical things. I'm not, that's why I say like there could be bad players anywhere. And so if you ever encounter situations like that, like get the heck out of there, you know, as quickly and as, you know, appropriately as possible, but um, don't, don't let money or anything else challenge your values, right? Like know who you are, know what's important to you, know what matters to you, know what you're willing to do. Like I, I, I say willing to do is in like, I spent the first gosh, 10 or 15 years of my career working way too much and giving too much of myself to corporate America. And I'll be honest, it wasn't because someone asked that of me. It was because that's how I was. And so those are some of the things I would say, like you talked about burnout a little bit, Chris, of like, be careful because there's going to be things where, especially if you're really driven and like take a lot of pride in the work you do, like you're almost going to work too hard and give, you're almost going to give too much of yourself to your job, no matter where it is. And you should be very cautious of, being care just being careful of like staying in line with your values and what's important to you and making sure that you're still spending enough time with your family and i think that is often on you because any company you work for they're going to take as much of you as you're willing to give and so you gotta you know set boundaries and mike knows i'm terrible at setting boundaries but i'm slowly getting better uh and i've slowly gotten better over the past decade yeah so i guess to sum it up i mean uh, this might be a little bit too on the grand scale of things, but you know, every after watching two seasons of Dirty Money, and I, I get mad after every episode at what what these corporations do. I started to think, you know, this fu money would be very beneficial to the individual, but then I started to f- just daydream about this idea: what if a lot of people, like the majority of people in this country, had fu money? Then, like you mentioned, Maggie, a lot of people wouldn't have to do anything questionable or kind of, you know, do anything unethical because they have this FU money. But since everybody kind of lives on this paycheck to paycheck cycle, they're scared to lose their job. And if one person steps up and says something, they just, they're expendable and they just get rid of them and move on. And that kind of sets an example for the rest of the the herd to not step out of line. That's a great point. Knowing all that and, and going through all those benefits and, and, just uh, good and bad, I guess, of corporate America. Would you guys do the same? Was there anything that you would change? Um, maybe this applies more to you, Maggie, but 
what what would you guys do differently or would would it stay the same in your career path i'm not sure i would do i mean i i would do just about everything the same i i fell into a lot of things kind of by happenstance i mean i always worked hard along the way and so that helped you know create the next opportunity the only thing i would do differently is what i was just speaking to is i would have set better boundaries earlier on in my life because I at times gave way too much of myself and and I mean like I worked hours longer than I needed to work and should have worked and I learned at some point about the time I had kids actually I learned I could I I was running at like 200% let's say the average person was running at 100% I was running at 200% and I was like you know what I could run at 130 and still be well thought of do a good job, be respected. I don't have to be like, and it was myself that was pushing for that. It wasn't anybody else. And so I would just set stronger boundaries and have created a bit more balance earlier in my life. I think I do everything the same. Mike's pretty perfect. He doesn't have <laughs> very a lot of, intentional. He does, you, do, you rarely have a lot of, yeah, you're very intentional. <laughs> I had a feeling Mike would say that. <laughs> um, but no, that's, that's a great answer. And that's, um, that's actually really good. So I'm happy about that. Um, This is a perfect transition, I think, to, or maybe not so perfect, but I did want to kind of talk about avoiding lifestyle inflation and keeping up with the Joneses. And I think uh, now that you have potentially a corporate job, we know the benefits, et cetera, we can talk about kind of um, avoiding this lifestyle creep that happens to a lot of people, especially once they start making uh, decent money. So can you talk to me about uh, what I think you guys had an exercise and I think I'd love to start there of what the most important things in life are or, or a list of what makes you most happy. I can't remember what episode we did it on, but I, I got the idea from playing with fire, the book, they might've talked about it in the documentary also, but they definitely talked about it in the book. And they, they did like, he did an exercise with his wife when he was trying to kind of like bring her along on this, drag her along on this fire journey in the beginning. And he was like, write down the 10 most important, the 10, things that make you most happy right and um he and most of the things did not cost money and i think you know they had this click and so i've done the same exercise and i've done it with my husband Um, and i love it because it just reminds you that most of the things that truly make me happy in life and i think mike would agree don't cost a lot of money and like coming to that realization is super important because that will set you on such a faster trajectory to get to financial independence or just get to the point forget even if you don't believe in financial independence but just to get to the point where your personal finances are in order and you're not living paycheck to paycheck and you're living debt free and things like that um is like you you gotta flip that switch in your head that it's not money that creates happiness it's so many other things i think maggie what you wanted to say was the idea came to you from my book where i talked about this specifically i think that's what you 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 wrote about you meant first. <laughs> that's what i meant so the way i look at it and i agree with maggie and i've done the same exercise but i like to think of it as core spending priorities it's like what are the areas of your life that you want to spend money at and and most of the things like maggie said most of the things that make you happy are free but like education it's super important, not free. Staying healthy, um, you know, like going to the doctor, like taking care of that stuff, it's not free. Traveling, um, other hobbies that you might have. None of these things are free, but they are the most important things in your life. So be smart about what you spend money in those areas on, but like just spend it without feeling guilty. But everything else, if it's not one of your priorities, don't spend money on it. 
And if you can do that, that's how you avoid lifestyle inflation. And the thing that makes corporate America kind of unique is that lifestyle inflation is really hard to avoid because what happens is you come into a company and you're at the, the lowest level and you know maybe you're making $50,000, let's say. Then all of a sudden you get promoted and all the people you interact with on a daily basis are at your same level and you're making $100,000 and then $200,000 and then maybe three hundred or 4000 or 400 And maybe like you rise all the way up to the top and all your friends are now making a million dollars. You are with them seeing the types of trips they go on, the types of cars they drive, where they live. The houses they're upgrading to, the pool they just put in. Yeah. And so it is it is super hard to avoid. And like right now, you know, I will show up to offsite meetings with people at a certain level. I'm driving my 2003 Ford Explorer with cloth interiors and they're driving hundred plus thousand dollar cars. And I like park <laughs> next to them and they're like, who is this guy? You know, but like I have to, I don't care. And you have to not care in order to, to do that because it can be, it's uncomfortable sometimes. Well, and I also like Mike, I know, I know what you mean by like, you have to not care, but I don't, I know you kind of, we always joke that you wear your cars like a badge of honor. Like that's good, right? Like don't, I always joke of like, don't worry about keeping up with the Joneses. Like try to keep up with friends on fire. Try to keep up with Chris from Inspire to Fire. Keep up with the people that are like good financial role models, not the people who are, you know, living paycheck to paycheck. Cause the Joneses are in debt. The Joneses probably aren't happy. The Joneses are stressed about money. So like, don't try to keep up with them. Um, but just Mike's comment about his car, even it's like, if you flip it from like, you know, you don't care. And I think that's important, but also, you know what you care about. So to the point in your book, Mike, of like, you've prioritized and you've put the time into thinking like what you will prioritize and what you will spend money on, what matters to you. And it's not a car. Right. And, and it's not many other things. And like, and you're, you know that about yourself. And I think that, that sort of, you know, self-reflection is so important to really understand like who you are and what you need and what makes you happy. Yeah. And um, I was waiting for that car reference because I, I <laughs> that's awesome. I love that you wear it as a badge of honor and um, in, in t you took it a step further instead of thinking of it as, you know, not caring, you're actually, uh, I guess, proud of it. And that's, that's nothing wrong with that. I have a similar situation. Mine's a 2009, not a 03. Um, but you know, I'll get there one day and, and I am very proud of that. Um, but it is difficult yeah. to, to not compare yourself to somebody in that corporate uh, arena, I guess. Um, especially with other things too. If somebody's going out yeah. to, to lunch a certain amount of times a week and they're like, Hey, do you want to go out to lunch? There's only so many times. And, uh, if you could say, no, I, I meal prepped, uh, before they're like, okay, we're not going to ask them anymore. Um, but that's something that you have to. I guess just accept or do, um, and, and know that that's what your plan is and it's going to make you happier in the long run. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And surround yourself with people who have similar values and ideals make, makes it easier. It's not perfect. You can't do that with all of your friends, but certainly, you know, when you do find people that are like-minded and that are okay cooking dinner at your house one night instead of going out for some really fancy dinner. Like that's really great because you found like-minded people that you can enjoy life with and not feel that constant pressure to kind of live a way that's not really aligned with your values and what's important to you. Yeah. And do you guys think that COVID might've changed people's minds about what really make them happy? Yeah, I definitely do. 
I, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because yes, people now know that they can find happiness. I, well, I think a lot of people know that they can find happiness having a simpler life. They don't need to go out and do as many things because it has forced them to find activities around their own home with the people that live with them um, that give them satisfaction. But then on the flip side, you know, people are at home and bored and on Amazon and buying stuff. And so if, if they aren't in a position where they like the people they live with, they don't like their house, I think some people, and I've seen this with a few friends, you know, they've upped their spending just because they're bored and they don't know what, to, what else to do. They're doing home renovation projects because they're like, I don't know what to spend my money on. Like, what do I do with my life now? You know? So it's been interesting. I think it's a little bit different for everybody, but I think the majority of people have found a little bit more happiness and simplicity. Yeah. And I think some people, it's been a financial wake up call too, just because some people, a lot of people have lost their jobs through this. A lot of people have furloughed. A lot of people, even if they haven't lost their jobs, they've all of a sudden been scared about their job and thought, oh, what if I do lose my job? Am I prepared? Do I have an emergency fund? So I think it, for us, is certainly, we have noticed it's it's shined the light on people's personal finances more than normal, um, which is, it's actually like a perfect combo when you think about it of like, you're all of a sudden, not that COVID's a perfect combo to be clear, but you know what I mean? There's the silver linings of it. You've all of a sudden realized maybe it's been a wake-up call of how you've been leading your life and where you are at financially. And you've discovered you could be happy with less, right? You, you've, you're all of a sudden sort of stuck in your house and you can't do all these other things, but you're getting creative and you're finding other ways to enjoy things. And so I think that sort of the, both ends of that have created for some people, some really good momentum towards a better way of living in many ways. Right. And and thinking back to March and April, I do remember a lot of the talk was that your uh, the expenses for groceries might have gotten higher for people, but credit card bills and things like that were lower. And that was just because of everything being closed, you weren't allowed to do anything. Um, so it kind of forced everyone to reevaluate what really is important, especially if they were facing financial difficulties, uh, subscriptions to Netflix, Hulu, uh, Amazon Prime, etc. All of them might have been questioned and say, maybe I just want Netflix or Hulu or etc. Yeah. And, you know, going back to your lifestyle inflation questions, one thing for people to watch out for is that when this is all over, your grocery bill should come back down or those things that you were spending more money on during quarantine should come back down and should rebalance out. Lifestyle inflation is, for whatever reason, your grocery bill is higher, your TV bill is higher, and then it stays high. And then you resume spending in other areas. And then all of a sudden, your net spending is greater. Mm, that's a good point. I've actually, I wanted to mention quickly about a strategy that I've used and get your take on it or feedback on it. Uh, it's something that is I think called force scarcity. I just applied it not knowing what it really was called, but it's a way that I've tricked myself into feeling like I have less money, thus reducing lifestyle creep. And it's actually increased my motivation for earning more seeing that I potentially have less money. So the way I do it is I get a direct deposit into a, 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 a checking account and I have automation just take money and just send it to my debts, send it to my mortgage, et cetera, send it to my savings. And in the end, out of that direct deposit, I've got a hundred or $200 left, whatever I know I need after groceries and everything else is done. So 
that gives me a little bit of a buffer to not overdraft, but also I know that I can't go over that. So if I start to see that number go down to $50, $40, I start getting a little bit tighter with my decision-making. Do you guys, have you guys done that or do you guys specifically budget in order to avoid lifestyle creep? That's a good question. That's a really good question. <laughs> Maggie, why don't you go first? Yeah. So first off, I love the term force scarcity. I've not used that term, but I definitely think that's the way I live my life. I always joke that I want my kids to think we're poor. I'm like that mean, means I've been successful um, or like, you know, living on a budget. It's good. It's good for kids to grow up that way. Um, and so I think, so we've actually talked a lot. We just did an episode recently on the idea of kind of budgeting versus um, net worth tracking. Neither one of us really budget per se. Um, I, I think I practice what is for scarcity, right? I, I kind of pay myself first. I put a lot in savings. The whole deferred compensation thing to me is a huge piece of forced scarcity. I mean, I forced myself to live on 25% of my salary because I took away 75%. I cannot get to it. There's no way for me to get to it without some huge penalties. And so that's, that's a, I think, a great practice and a great thing for people to do. I'm less of a fan of budgeting specifically, but it's only because I've formed habits that I'm good at keeping. And if I didn't have those habits, then I think budgeting could be really helpful to people. And I was just reading, uh, Mike, I know you've read it, but I'm in the process of reading Atomic Habits while I'm on vacation right now. And they talk about the idea of once habits become a part of your identity versus just something you're trying to kind of force yourself to do, that's when you really like crack the code. And so I never really thought about it till you just were talking about that, Chris. But for me, the reason I don't budget is because this way of life has become part of my identity. So I don't really need to budget because I just, I'm so limited in what I will spend money on and I'm pretty just frugal by nature. Um, but again, I don't knock budgeting. It can be really helpful at certain points in your life and for certain people. It's just not something I focus on personally. And for me, I've been living a life of forced scarcity since I was a child and had an allowance. But um, I don't I don't need forced scarcity because I've spent decades developing the discipline to make wise decisions with my money. But I still do it because it is how I take advantage of all of the different savings opportunities. So I defer a big portion of my compensation. So I just never see it. I put the max into my 401k. I make HSA contributions. I have um, other things that are just kind of like automatically divvied up. And then what's in my paycheck is very little and it covers my expenses. What I then keep in my checking account is just enough to pay my bills every month and everything else I move into my brokerage account. So the account I look at regularly is just my checking account, has very little money in it. I never feel like I'm I'm rich. I always feel like I I have very little money on hand. And but it wouldn't it wouldn't change what I'm spending my money on. You know, if I saw if I look at my account with with my large balances in it, I wouldn't be like, oh, well, I'm gonna go buy a car today. And by looking at my checking account, I don't, I just don't need a new car. And so, uh, but I do it more from a savings perspective than a psychological one. You're definitely more disciplined than I am because I'm not saying I'd go out and buy a new car with more money in my checking account, but seeing the, the excess money, I guess you can say in my checking account will make me just upgrade. I don't know if I'm at Chipotle, I'll get the guac because <laughs> why yeah. not, you know, with the extra chips and, and just, uh, 
it's just uh, little things that I've noticed that I definitely will upgrade. And then just because of the seeing, seeing the more money in my checking account. Yeah. But I guess to answer your question though, I think that is an awesome idea and everybody should be, be doing this because it develops the right habits and attitudes about money. Yeah. And it's a great way to avoid lifestyle inflation, right? Like if you keep making more money over the years, but you've forced yourself to put it into savings before you even see it and get a hold of it, it's just a great combination or a great approach or tactic for avoiding it. I also wanted to talk a little bit about one of your passions, Maggie, which is minimalism and that integration into somebody's life, because I think it definitely has, uh, it can have a huge impact. If you don't want, if somebody may not want to adopt it, that's different and that's fine. But if I've noticed that the fire community does have a lot in common with minimalism and um, frugality. So if you can talk a little bit about why you're so passionate about minimalism. Sure. Um, It's a great question. It's just something that I've always been passionate about. And it's similar to fire. For a long time, I didn't know there was a term minimalism. Um, But I, I always was really into like organization when I was a kid and even at work, like I just, I've just always been fascinated by all facets of organization. But once I learned about minimalism, I, I just loved it because it, it ties back to a little bit of what we were talking about earlier around like what truly makes you happy. I, I was just realizing all of the noise in the world around me with the physical stuff around me, the constant marketing being thrown at me, the, just the decision fatigue that comes with all of that. And I was just noticing like I am happier with less stuff and with less things around me. And the more simplicity I have in my life, the happier I am. And and that sort of just what I came to over the years, it, it certainly helps to propel financial independence and better personal finance habits. Because if you realize you don't need a lot of stuff to be happy, you spend a lot less money on stuff. Yeah. And have you watched the uh, Netflix show. I- I'm a big Netflix fan. I mean, probably too much. But have you got? Have you watched in particular Get Organized? Is it the new one? It is. Is it the new one that just came? Yeah, yeah. So I saw the preview. It had like Reese Witherspoon, and I just saw it like a week ago. And I've just been. I've had a crazy week uh, just getting uh, caught up before going on vacation. But I've not watched it yet. I'm very excited to watch it. But organization is very different than minimalism because it looks like I thought from the show they're like organizing like celebrities' houses where they have like massive amounts of stuff. And yeah, so I definitely don't want to give it away for anybody who hasn't watched the show yet. But it does focus on organization instead of minimalism. And throughout the show, I'm thinking to myself, I think it would be better if people just own less stuff, right? I mean, you'd be more organized just by that a lot of people just have too much stuff lying around yeah totally agree and and you yes you just hit the nail on the head chris there's still a role for organization like to have the things you do own better organized but it's so much easier to organize if you could just get rid of a lot of your stuff and yeah the shows i still like i'm down for watching an organization show even if it's people who have too much stuff (laughs) because i just love that um, but I would much rather watch a show that is focused on helping people get rid of their stuff, which there's been some shows on like HGTV and other stuff over the years where they're doing that, taking it more from that angle. And um, maybe this is something that you both can comment on, but what is the difference between frugality and being a minimalist? Gosh, I I mean, we'll go ahead. Were you going to say something, Mike? 
I think you're probably gonna have a better answer. So well, I mean, I'll tell you just a very like literal answer. Like I will spend a lot of money on things. And that that's the difference is that I, I believe in qual sorry, I believe in quality over quantity. So that to me is the difference. Like when I buy something, I will if it it depends what it is, but for some things when I buy it, I don't mind paying for something that is high quality and like I like to buy like a Patagonia jacket or something that I'm going to have for, you know, my lifetime um, versus, you know, I'm not always focused on getting the best deal on every single thing. It depends what it is, but I don't buy as many things, right? So when I do buy something, it it, again, it's some, so for some categories, it does not matter, but for some things I, I'm okay spending money to buy something that's high quality and like a good product. And, I, and that to me is kind of how I'd embody the difference between frugality and minimal, minimalism. Yeah. So I think being wise about your purchases is frugality. Not making purchases is minimalism. Yeah. That's a good way of saying it. So, so you're always like shorter and sweeter <laughs> answers than I give, Mike. That, that was an excellent <laughs> yeah. definition, Mike. I have to agree. But Thank I you. like the passion that Maggie brought with her explanation. <laughs> yeah. The context, Mike. The context. <laughs> that's right. Well, Mike and Maggie, it was a pleasure to have you guys on the show today. If you want to share anything with the audience about what's coming up, what's exciting in your lives, um, what do you guys have coming up? Yeah, I think we're, you know, we're, we've, we've still got like fairly demanding jobs and busy families right now. So, you know, for us, we're, we're really focused on just continuing to put out good content on the podcast and um, you know, that, that's really kind of what we focus on right now. And there, there may be, we've got a lot of different ideas as we have more and more free time. And I am in the process of switching to a new role at my company where I'm pulling back uh, by 20% and moving to a four day work week instead of five days. And so I'm going to put a little bit of that extra time into uh, potentially just expanding some things related to the podcast. Um, But, but honestly, most of it is like, we're just still focused on kind of trying to put out good content on the podcast. Cool. And then also based on feedback from listeners, we created a few Excel templates that we have up on Etsy, which has been really fun for us. And we've gotten a lot of great feedback on So tools to help you track your net worth, track your expenses, uh, make decisions around paying off your mortgage earlier. And we continue to build those out and release those. So um, I think that's kind of, in addition to just, you know, churning out podcasts, we're going to keep focusing on these tools because they're helpful for a lot of people. Definitely. So I will be including that in the show notes, uh, the Etsy uh, templates, as well as your book, Mike, and a link to your blog as well, Maggie, if anybody wants to learn more about minimalism. So that is fantastic information. And people can find you on Instagram as well. Is that right? I love your guys' stories in particular. I don't (laughs) know who is doing the stories, but it's I love mostly me. me. But when when Michael sent me content, I throw in uh, his too. Um, Yeah. I mean, we're most active on Instagram. We also are on Facebook and Twitter and uh, LinkedIn, but we are mostly, it's hard to keep up with all of them, honestly. So most of our activity is on Instagram. So that's the best place to follow us. Cool. Well, thank you guys again for joining the show. Yeah. Thanks thanks for having having us. This was fun, Chris. All right. Till next time. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye. (laughs) 